CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. What's that soaring through the air? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Trey Roberson with the soaring field goal block to clinch the win for the Calgary Stampeders. A heck of a play this week in what was an exciting weekend of CFL football. Week 14 is in the books, uh, week 15 on the way. We're officially two-thirds of the way through the season now. Uh, we're here, the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing this afternoon? I guess it's technically afternoon. Early it's five, evening. 5 p.m. That's still afternoon. Early evening. Ah, sure. Ah, whatever. It is five o'clock, and I say good evening, and I, I'm surviving. I'll say that. What's up, bud? No, just uh, really busy around the station uh, this week as we uh, launch a little video project at the end of the week. So, stay tuned for that. Yes. Where do people uh, find that online? Yeah, they can find it on my website once it's all updated and all that information and. It's it's really exciting. It's actually going to be the second of its kind in Manitoba. MikeFMWinnipeg.com. You can also find it on MikeFMWinnipeg Facebook page, Twitter page. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Garrell. I'm sure you'll tweet it out there as well. It's big. It's big. Stay tuned. And I haven't even ruled out, uh, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but I haven't ruled out bringing my venture to our show. So. Oh, boy. We'll see what the future holds. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, uh, I just wanted to... I was looking at the calendar uh, the other day, and we're in mid-September, and coming up in mid to late November is an event called the Grey Top. Don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a fairly significant Canadian event. What could that possibly be? Well, there was a initiative that was started a number of years ago called the... Great to fit up. I want to say that was two years ago last year. Uh, the year before. Oh, the year before. So, um, anyway, it's basically a uh, 100-day uh, fitness challenge to encourage people to, um, I don't know, the daily exercise, right? I mean, uh, Ryan is involved in... Uh, the great up fit up for now the second year, third year? Yeah, okay. all three years. All three years, and uh, today, you informed me, is day number 32. Yes. Which means we are, if you're counting at home, 68 days away from the great top. And I just, you, you know, you were going to talk about it, but I'll start this conversation off with the question, and that is, what has encouraged you to become a, a part of Great Tough Fit Up? Because I, I see the tweets every day, you know, the the progress reports from different members of the network and, and the general um, Canadian Football League family, but I'm just wondering what encouraged you to get on board with Great Tough Fit Up? 
You know, when it first started three years ago, uh, I had seen the tweets about it. And uh, actually, like right when it started, I was just recovering from a sprained ankle. So the first couple of days, I was like, well, this isn't for me. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. And I'm a little ashamed to say this. The first year I took part in Grey Cup Fit Up, a lot of the reasons why I decided to join it was to try to gain some notice for the podcast. You know, I, as a member of the podcast, like to try to take part in league initiatives, you know, see that this podcast is very supportive of what the league has going on. I saw the Grey Cup fit up in that first year. I I tweeted out my daily update from the podcast's Twitter account, not from my personal one. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it started off as that. And then it was like, okay, I'm actually like really enjoying this and I'm actually starting to see changes in myself. And so... You know, the first year did it. That uh, that one was tough. Uh, I was balancing two jobs at the time, you know, some 12-hour work days. But, you know, very, very privileged that my workplace actually has a gym that I get to use every day if I so choose, which I have been choosing quite a bit. Uh, so I did it the one year. Was super pumped last year when it came back back again, and you know, as has been well documented over the last couple of years, I've been balancing school and work, and then trying to find time to exercise in there. And the the general trend, you know, I have not been the the, the healthiest person uh, given all the stress from school, all the stress eating, and all of that. You know, I started to see trends. 100 days of exercise, starting to lose a lot of weight, yep. and then school starts and you start to gain it back again. You you fall out of shape, right? And So, yep. so it kind of started as that for me, and then it's just the encouragement. And If you know me, you know me as a person, a creature of habit. Uh, somebody that, you know, if I get into a rhythm with something, I'm not going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, as this, in, this is true, 150,000 times over what he's saying here, Paul. As an example, this past April, it started with a pact from a group of people um, to not eat chips for the month. Uh Uh-oh. And if you know me, I'm a big chip eater normally, or I was. Same here. Uh, I have not had a single chip since April 1st. I can open that door and there's chips there. And I will uh, go and hand them to you and I'll not have them. You know, I get into that habit, but right. but what really inspires me also is just seeing everybody else talking about it along the way too. You know, everybody encouraging one another. You see people going out there and crushing their goals, frankly, and making changes in their life. It's incredible. Okay, so here here's the follow-up question for you. And this question may answer itself. It's maybe a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyway. Has there been more acceptance in your mind of the great tough fit up? And it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, it's just a, you know, publicity stunt for podcasts or platforms or has there been a general better acceptance amongst people and a better understanding of each other as it's gone on? I, I think there's definitely friendships that have been built through it. People encourage, you know, you see other people growing on a daily basis right and making positive changes in their life and that's really all that it's about um you know we you called it a fitness challenge and yeah to me the the way i do it too 30 minutes of exercise a day for 100 straight days but it's not necessarily that right it's a healthy habits challenge if your healthy habit is going and taking some time to lie down and read a book and relax by yourself and get in a good headspace then that's your healthy habit. If mm-hmm. it's, you know, eating a little bit healthier, then that's a healthy habit too. 
You know, everybody has different kind of goals or needs, I should say, and it's really about finding what's best for you. Um, what, I mean, a ten, ten, ten question kind of answers itself too, but what would you say to somebody uh, to encourage them to be a part of Breakup Breakup? Like, for me, I'm not a part of it. Like, even though I know I probably should be, as it's, you know, good to get exercised and document exercised and, and have a goal to work towards. So, I'm going to give you just a minute to speak to people like me who say, yeah, it's a great idea, but, you know, I, I struggle with, you know, the other side of what, what you said earlier, and that is, you know, I struggle to put it as a 30-minute thing in my daily schedule. Like, I'm so busy in the morning. I'm so busy at lunchtime. And then I'm too tired at night. I guess my question to you is, what would you say to those people, and how did you break your barrier as far as, you know, making it a priority in the schedule? Well, to me... Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. It is hard a lot of times to get a half hour of exercise in. For me, a lot of days, take go back to last year, I was in school during the fall taking five courses, as many as you can take at the mm-hmm. University of Manitoba um, in, in a semester. Uh, for me, some days I parked 20 minutes away from class, and I walked 20 minutes from class, from my car to class, and I walked back to my car after. 20 minutes later. Yeah. I... Uh, while studying, rode the exercise bike in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Just going for a walk. Heck, if you're listening to this podcast, just go for a walk while you're listening to this. Right? That that gets your exercise in for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many different things out there. And that's something I've been really trying to experiment with this year because in the past, a lot of it for me has just been, you know, don't have time, go out for a walk. You know, let's just go do a half hour walk every day. This year, I'm trying to mix it up a little more. You know, I've done some bowling. I went swimming this week. I uh, played a little bit of tennis uh, here and there, which I've been really enjoying. You know, there's a lot of different things. So you my can question do. is, what would be seeing you at the U.S. Open last year? Um, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Book it. <laughs> okay. I'll uh, I'll be sure to let Bianca and just you know. Yeah, I'm coming for that title. <laughs> Anyway, um, but for me, the most, you know, kind of persistent goal of mine has been, if we want to talk about that real quick, because, you know, if you want to take a look, I mean, we we don't really talk about personal stuff too much on the podcast. It's mostly just about football, right? Uh, what people don't know about me is I've always struggled to be a runner my entire life. Uh, I played sports. I was active as a kid. I played soccer for many years, played basketball for a couple. We played in an after-school church floor hockey league mm-hmm. together. Um, but I was injured so many times as a kid that I actually developed some uh, conditions in my knees that prevented me from running. Mm-hmm. I was essentially the useless guy standing there on the soccer field that couldn't do anything, right? And in uh, high school, they they did surgery on both of my knees, uh, drilled some holes in there, let the blood flow through. By the way, very entertaining to watch your own knee surgery. Were you able to do that? Oh, yeah. Why did they froze you? They froze you? I, 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 yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, And then all of a sudden, since then, my knees have been perfectly fine. But I have 
admittedly battled the weight issue mm-hmm. for most of my life. I've been mm-hmm. a bit of an overweight kid. Um, so I set it as a goal, you know, I want to become a runner and today I actually fully feel like I've become a runner because today I just ran my first 5k of my life. I'll tell you, if you're on the fence about this, uh, do I join this CFL fed up community? Listen to the last 11 minutes of this show. If I can do it, you can do it. You know, I have, I've struggled with, with all the things that I'm sure a lot of people are struggling with, with getting going with exercise. You know, I've done this in the past, you know, actually one year in high school, I made it my new year's resolution to exercise every day of the year. And I made it all the way till April, which was about a hundred days. And then I got sick and then I stopped. Um, so I, I've done this before, but then you fall off the wagon all of the time. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, just look at the difference in a year. Um, last year, last July, I weighed in at 256 pounds. This week, I weighed in at 217. 40 pound difference in a year. Last summer, probably could only, I struggled to run five minutes at a time. Today, I ran 31. So if you think it's not possible to make a difference, to make a change, well, just just reach out because I can help you out with that because I I have found a way to do it and uh, I encourage you to all try as well. We just done the podcast right here. I just right here like don't even worry about the football chat for the next forty minutes. And I, I'm serious, I'm just I'm listening to the last you know twelve minutes, feeling awfully inspired. And I'm hoping that people that listen to this podcast will feel the same. I, I hope so, too. And, and I will encourage everybody along the way. If I can do it, you can do it. Okay. I think we've exhausted Ray to fit up enough because I'm just... You just want to get out there go exercise what? now, eh? Well, it's, uh, honestly, like it's... it's, it's I, I'm rarely left at a loss for words on the radio that... I, I've been telling it a lot in the last, you know, since being a broadcaster in 2010. Rarely do things make me stop and, but, but usually I have questions lined up in an interview, but this just makes me want to stop asking questions and just listen. And unfortunately, rightly or wrongly on the podcast, we often talk about, uh, you know, football and all the issues and high, highlights and lowlights of uh, CFL football. But, I mean, as a, as co-host, you know, we, we, we don't usually, you know, get, get into the uh, into the personal stuff all that often. Right. So, so, so I, I, I think it's, an, it's, a, it's a change that is needed because... I've always been told, right, personal connection goes a long way in radio. And if you can get the listeners to, you know, have some kind of personal attachment to what they're listening to and some kind of personal tugging, if you will, it's going to go a long way. And my hope is that uh, your story inspires, it, it has inspired me already. But I hope it inspires a lot more people. 
I hope so too. And uh, shout out and thank you, Brody Lawson, Davis Sanchez from the CFL, who got this whole thing going three years ago. Everybody in the CFL community who's reached all their goal, who have reached or tried to reach and have participated and just are, I mean, everybody's doing incredible. It's it's crazy to see some of the things that people have, are able to do. Yeah, it's 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 cool. There's not just your story. There's tons out there. Yeah, just search on Twitter hashtag Grey Cup Fit Up. You'll see tweets about it every day. Uh, that that's really if you want to get inspired, go search that up on Twitter. Mike, let's move on. Um, really quickly, I know this wasn't on the uh, agenda of items to talk about. But I did want to backtrack it a little bit since we did take a bye last week and just quickly touch on the Bomber Banjo Bowl win against the Riders. Before we do that, while we're on the topic of backtracking to the week before, we picked my favorite NFL team. Yes. Uh, Mike gave the four options. We put up the poll on Twitter. I am. Drum roll, please. Don't I don't know if you, the microphone's picking that up. But don't good know effort, if you Mike. can hear, but there's a... Drumroll. A Minnesota Vikings fan. Okay, so the we people sh- voted. It was a close race. Got closer near the end, but I am officially a Minnesota Vikings fan, and I am upset after this week after they lost to the Packers because I'm told I don't like the Packers. Correct. That's a rivalry game at the yep. Toronto Montreal. I have actually started watching a little bit of NFL. I uh, I've the had other a- thing is. And I'm pretty sure you saw this. Carter Beth can throw interceptions at the worst of times. Also, I mean, that first win to start the season over Atlanta, what did he have, 90 passing yards? Where I think you know where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. I think I found my Chris Strebler of the NFL. Yeah, but in fairness, I mean, with Kirk Cousins, I don't want to stray too far off the topic. One thing you have to learn to... One thing as a Vikings fan, and I will warn you, like, I'm a Vikings fan first, and then Cowboys, and all those kind of teams, and, but one thing you have to learn is, you have to accept Kirk Cousins' highs when they come, and when, the, and lows when they come, and, I don't know what it is with, uh, Kirk Cousins, unfortunately, he just, he throws the most untimely interceptions sometimes, and, and that's night and come out and throw for 375 yards. So it's kind of like a box of chocolate where you don't know what you're going to get. Hey, one and one so far to start the season. We'll see what happens uh, going forward. Back the to- incident thing when they almost won yesterday. So. Yeah. Back to the CFL anyways. Uh, go back to what you were talking about, about the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, since we took the bye last week, I just quickly wanted to touch on the uh, Banjo Bowl. Um, a pretty nice uh, memory for that to store, but... 30, the score is not important when you 3510 uh something like that 303510 3510 uh but Ryan I don't know if if you would agree with me on this you and I were both in the stands we we're not far from each other so we did catch up during the game uh I found that to be the bombers most complete effort of the season from start to finish yeah, I mean, it was dominant uh, uh, on all three sides of the ball. You had a kick return touchdown from Jernarian Grant. Uh, you had some strong defensive play. I mean, William Powell had 0.1 fantasy points in that game. Uh, if you can shut, me. If you can shut William Powell down to that, like you're, you're having a good day on defense. 
Uh, offensively, I don't know what to make of Chris Streveler anymore, man, because, like, the guy's not a great passer. I think he's getting better. Once he, he's he was better. He was the, better than that win against Edmonton. Uh, he was better than that game against Saskatchewan. He, he's making strides as a passer. Uh, but, I mean, like, ain't but, nobody going to bring Chris Streveler down. But but here's the thing for me, right? Streveler's not making mistakes. He's not coming out and throwing four interceptions. And the Bombers are hardly turning the ball over. And as long as you don't turn the ball over, you're in a lot of games. And that's what's made Matt Nichols so successful, right? So should we really be surprised? I mean, this bomber defense isn't let's go out hutching and chatting and eighty yard touchdown passes and you know, left, right and center line bombs. It's protecting the football, running the football, and that to me has been a real revelation. I mean, everybody talked about, you know, doom and gloom and Andrew Harris bat or uh, out with suspension. Johnny Augustine was great. I mean, if you're Michael Shea, when do you go to Coast La Police and say, knock on the door and say, how hard would it be to put some plays in with Harris and Augustine in the backfield together and, you know, go from there? But, you know, in reality, the Bombers are one bad drive away from having won, won both games against the Riders. Yep. Uh, season series is tied, and we'll see. We'll see going forward. Uh, one quick other thing from this game. Uh, we talked mid-season awards a little bit ago. I think I know who my uh, most outstanding player nominee is. It's got to be Willie Jefferson. That yeah. guy was a monster yet again. Yeah, I'm up to the chagrin of my fantasy football team, which is being beaten up by... Hey, you beat me this week. Defense alone. Well, for the most part. You beat me by like 10 points this week. You're well, still, Jeff- still behind by quite a Jeff- bit. Jefferson wasn't on the field. That's so. fair. That's fair. So I better tape my bridge when I can get him. Um, well, let's, let's talk Let's talk about the Riders. Uh, yeah, so this kind of goes into one of my topics. Yeah, uh, we'll, 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 we'll move into that topic then. Uh, they, they did pull off the last-minute win over Montreal. A couple great games this weekend, by the way. You had the last-minute dra- drama between Calgary and Hamilton. You had the last-minute drama between Saskatchewan and Montreal. You had the, uh, I, I don't know what about the Ottawa-BC game was dramatic about that. but Well, I mean, I guess we can uh, well, let's give start. a trophy to the BC offensive line for not allowing a stop. Yes, and we'll get into that a little bit more here yet. But uh, talk talk a little bit about the Riders. They had that down game against the Bombers. People are st- were starting to almost start wondering. It's crazy. They lose one game after a seven-game win streak, and people are starting to question the legitimacy of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, well, here's the thing with that real fast. I was in that boat of, oh, no, where did the Riders go from here kind of thing? Because if you look at it, most of their points against the Bombers came in the first quarter. So you're looking at about seven straight quarters of not a lot of offensive production for Saskatchewan, and it makes you wonder. Sure, yeah. And I'll be honest, if I'm Montreal going out of this game, there's a lot more I liked about your game against Saskatchewan than I'm leading other people to believe. So... You know, this was a really, really good game for Montreal. One of those, I hate to use it, but moral victories. Of, I know you didn't win the game, but to me, Montreal did enough to win the game. But where the, where the, 
Well, the game was one, in my opinion, was, or won, or lost, was in the first quarter where Montreal had all those short field goals, but they weren't able to convert for touchdowns. And it was 9 nothing, and all of a sudden, you know, three drives, nine point, inside 30 yards, and all of a sudden you watch Fajardo come down the field, and it's 9-7, to seven, and, you know, all that work is kind of undone, if you will, for those three field goals. But it, it just goes to show of it. You know, when you have a chance to get the ball in the end zone, when you have a chance to expand a lead to beyond the field goal, you sure as heck better do it. But this time before quarter, when you need every little point you can get, well, it may or may not be there. And that was the case for Montreal. They ended up a few points short. And, you know, if they would have taken a touchdown on one of those three field goals, you know, you're at least making the Riders have to come all the way down the field to score a touchdown instead of, you know, this ladder walk-off. And to me, it 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 just beats to... Not quite the not quite the same celebration as the one against the Bombers, though. No. Hey, with Brett Water in the walk-off, he wasn't chugging beers in the stands. No, but I, I think that's a rivalry thing, too, to be honest with you. I mean... Still, two times in the last three weeks, walk-off homer. Well, not exactly walk-off, but... Yeah, it was a late field goal. I think in the final 30 seconds. Uh, but uh, for a lot of better term, it's a walk-off given the field position that, you know, Montreal had to deal with and what they needed to get. But. Um, I hate to break it to you. I just double-checked. Uh, if the lightning delay would have happened in this game at the same time, the Alouettes would have won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Unfortunate. Unfortunate, but at least, at least they did. At least we got a full 60-minute game. <laughs> yes, but but here's the thing. It solidifies to me that Montreal is no longer the... the uh, Free space on the bingo card? What should we call it? The feel-good story. Mm. Oh, is, we're going totally opposite directions. I thought you were talking about how they were much improved than last year, no longer the pushover. Well, that too, but I, I, I think it's solidify my case anyway, but Montreal might be the team to beat in the East, and I know Hamilton fans are screaming at their uh, devices right now listening to this and, you know, wanting to turn this off, but let, let's be honest, Montreal is playing like a legit football team right now. You know, one or two plays here, and they have another win, and that's, you know, their four points back of... uh Hamilton for first, and there's a game left between the two. And but to me, this certainly solidifies to me that if he wasn't already in the conversation, we should start having this Vernon Adams for Eastern Division MOP conversation. And all of a sudden, I think the music gets a little louder in that conversation. Okay, so let's talk about the game between the Stampeders and the Tie Cats. This was a game where. Uh, you know, I didn't get to catch this game, but I did watch the highlights late last night of it. A lot of what I saw from there was Ticats looking pretty strong early in the game, and then all of a sudden in the third quarter you had a fumble, you had uh, a second fumble, uh, a couple turnovers there. You let Calgary back into this game. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, Ryan. And and, and that's what's going to happen when you play Calgary, right? You, you give Bowie by Mitchell a chance to get back in the game, he's going to burn you. 
it's almost like that, right? I mean, I hate to use this analogy, but you have your opponents on the ropes in a fight, and you're the probably weaker opponent, which Hamilton is, given Calgary's track record. And I heard something like Hamilton hasn't won in Calgary now in 14 years. Yeah, 2004 was the last one. 15 years. I mean, that's just, number one, that speaks to how dominant the stamps are at home, I think. And number two, it just goes to show what Hamilton was on the verge of doing. But again, it's one of those cases of you can't rest on your laurels and hope that, you know, you'd rained out a field goal win. You gotta just keep adding on and, you know, you gotta play mistake free football to beat Calgary because I'll tell you what, if I'm building a CFL team, the guy that I probably want running my three minute offense down the score is Bowley by Mitchell and, Let's be frank, in most cases, you know, up by less than a score under two minutes to go, it's bowl time. Bowie by Mitchell, he sure has the track record of a couple years of doing this, but maybe Cody Fajardo enters the conversation. He's had a couple late drives this year, Uh, you know, maybe. But no, you are right. Bowie by Mitchell, we've seen it time and time again. Um, To me, one thing I noticed when watching the highlights of this game, it's, it's very clear we have two new star receivers in the CFL that are taking the league by storm. You got Reggie Bagleton in Calgary and Braylon Addison in Hamilton because half the highlights in this game, and I know Brandon Banks had a big game, Eric Rogers had a big game, but half of this was, half the highlights were these guys making a highlight reel catches, uh, big plays. Uh, I love seeing what Hamilton does with Braylon Addison, the way they use him as a wide receiver the way they use him right now as a running back on some some plays as well. It's almost like how the Bombers have been using Nick Dembski over the last couple of years, except maybe they're doing it a little more with Addison. And, you know, sure, Banks had the big game this week, but a couple there were a couple weeks there where Banks, uh, after such a strong start to the season, uh, was having a couple down weeks. And it was almost like, oh, Braylon Addison's taken over as the premier receiver for the uh Hamilton Tiger Cats those two have made such a great one-two punch uh it's lessened the blow a little bit of having Luke Tasker injured almost all year and uh I'm sorry but I you know I gotta hype up the Tie Cats people are gonna knock on the Tie Cats yet again because they lost this game but in two games against Calgary this year they beat them by in one and they lost by one point in the other, and they only lost by one point in this game because their field goal was blocked by a heck of an acrobatic play by Trey Trey Roberson. Yeah, but again, it's... You left the door open for that possibility that of slamming the door shut. Like, I, I, I just feel like collectively, and maybe it's because people don't trust Dane Evans, uh... With Jeremiah Mazzolio. But like at 9-3, and three, tied with the Bombers for first place in the league. Yes, they lost this week to Calgary, but it was by one point. Like, let's cut the Tie Cats some slack here, folks. Pardon me? Let's cut the Tie Cats some slack here. Like, 9-3 and three on the season. Like, this is one of, if not the best team in the CFL right now. And there is a very good chance we are going to see the Tie Cats in the Grey Cup. Like, you were talking about the Alouettes being your Eastern favorites perhaps at this point they're the favorites come out of the east i still feel that way i I don't i i think this tie cats team is so well-rounded and then you just maybe maybe i'm not respecting dean evans enough 
I don't think you are. He threw for like 300, 400 yards again this game. I just, I don't know. There's something about him and there's something about Straveler and there's something about, you know, Bath or Porter Bath, but I'm just not quite convinced. 34 of 43, 360 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Not easy to do in Calgary for sure. Absolutely. So put some respect on Dane Evans' name. Uh, I was down on him his first couple weeks as well. The last couple of games, he's really shown me. He had that game against the Argos where he put up over 400 yards. People were saying, you know, it's against the Argos. If he can go and do this against Calgary, I don't see why he can't lead them to a great cup. Begs the question. I mean, I don't know his contract status. Uh, That's true, but... He's uh, under contract for the next three years. Have to wonder if Mazzoli's... Is Mazzoli's time over in Hamilton? I mean, you're talking about a guy that was the Eastern MOP nominee last year, wasn't he? Uh, Yeah, but I'm understanding this with, you know, Dane Evans might need to look at starting opportunities. I mean, contracts are not guaranteed in the CFL, right? That's just it. I mean... But if I'm Hamilton, I'm not letting go of him anytime soon. Who, Mazzoli? Both. What if one doesn't want to be the backup to the other? Dane Evans is under contract for three years. He doesn't really have much of a choice, does he? He did ask for his release. He could. If he feels he's good enough and all the power to him. But again, I just, I don't want there to be a James Franklin situation. That's fair. If you know what I mean. Let's get into talking about the other game, and then we'll get into a bit of a debative topic here uh, from an article that came out this morning. But let's talk Ottawa, BC first. BC Lions hammered the Ottawa Red Bulls. I'm sorry, did I just say that right? The BC Lions hammered another team? Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, if I made out something, the BC Lions gave up zero sats. Yeah, if we're using the word hammered with the BC Lions, we're talking about Mike Riley normally, because he's hammered game in and game out. Correct. And now you have the zero sacks. Zero sacks this week, only two to Montreal the week before. 29-5 to the Lions win. Uh, 286 yards, two touchdowns. He did have two picks, but not uh, two touchdowns on the ground as well. Good game by Mike Riley. Good game by the Lions. Their defense shut everything down for Ottawa. Our, I know it's one win. Okay, they're second of the season, but they're one win in a while, and I know it was against Ottawa. Are the Lions starting to turn the corner? Give me another few weeks. Because, I'll throw this out there, preseason predictions, I think you are roughly on the same page as me. I, I'll admit, I did not see it to this extreme where the Lions would struggle this bad and get to a point of being 1-9. and nine. Had them at 9-9? Nine and nine? But, I did say... That early in the season, it would be a struggle for the Lions because they brought in so many new pieces. Like, I don't care if it's Mike Riley. You bring in a whole new team. You bring in a whole new coaching staff. Your team is going to take time to gel. And they did, and they struggled greatly. Um, Now, you know, they came close against Montreal. They got the win against Ottawa. I think it's still too far away for BC to have a shot at making the playoffs here because... They are still four wins. Well, they need effectively five wins to pass the Eskimos due to the tiebreaker. Yeah. I, I I don't think there's playoffs in the cards for BC. I'm not suggesting that. But this team is starting to show signs of a competent football team. The one thing that makes me 
sad isn't the right word, but disappoints me, if I may use that word, is that a quality individual in Brian Chu lost his job, and I'm sure he's the head of a coach. But he's probably sitting there somewhere thinking, where did this come from? Yeah. Right? It's like that. I couldn't get that out of them. Maybe it's Steam. Because it was, what, nine games under Brian Chu, and they gave up 46 sacks or something like that. Now two games under, uh, is it Kelly Bates? Yep. And they give up two sacks? Yeah, I'm just happy for Mike Riley. Like, unbelievable that in a season where every starting quarterback in the league has gone down, Mike Riley is the only one still standing. And I'm happy he's still standing. And I'm happy that he's starting to not get hit game in and game out. Yeah, honestly, it's pretty ironic. The quarterback that gets hit the most has been injured the fewest. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like funny how that works some days. The Lions get the win here. These two teams play each other again this week uh, in the rematch. This one going to be in Ottawa. I mean, let's talk about the Red Blacks here. We'll get into your power rankings They started shortly. 2-0, Ryan. Remember when that happened? It's a distant memory at this point. I mean, wow. Talked about falling off. I mean, should we have really been surprised? I It's kind of what we predicted preseason, right? I mean, I had Ottawa finishing last in the East Division. I wasn't going to go and say at the time, but, you know, I wasn't going to say like 2-16 like they did in their expansion year. And, well, they have three wins, so they're not reaching 2-16. But I hate to say this, Mike, and this pains me to say this, the Ottawa Red Blacks right now, to me, are looking like the expansion team from 2014. I would venture to guess worse than that. Because I remember, they were fairly competitive in a lot of those games. This team of late hasn't really been competitive. No. And one must suggest they should have maybe lost that game to Saskatchewan in the beginning. That 44-41 win if Dom Davis doesn't. You know, did some luck to go his way. This could be a 1-1 football team. You know, a couple weeks ago, uh, our friend Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast on one of his episodes made a great argument. Like, I, it, it sold me on it about looking at Ottawa's schedule, looking at where they were in the standings of like, yeah, there's a good chance Ottawa, given who they play, can rally some wins here, can get a playoff spot because they play Toronto, they play BC, BC. They have two more games against Toronto yet. Like, for all intents and purposes, records-wise, that's an easy schedule for Ottawa. But now, I mean, arguably their two worst weeks of the season have come against the Argos, who were 1-9, and nine, and the Lions, who were a one-win team. There's, some, there's something to be said, Ryan, for... I don't know. I hate to use the term soft schedule down the stretch. Because I really feel that the teams that are near the bottom of the standings are actually the most prepared to play these games. In what sense? Playing for jobs, playing for pride. I I, I honestly think that, uh, at least in my experience anyway, um, I know when I was with Selkirk for a while, there were teams at the bottom of the league who you just 
hated playing them because whether they were on a lengthy losing streak or had a bit of a run going, they were the one thorn in, a, in, in your side taking lots of points away. And I, I think BC going to have a big say, particularly I think how the West is going to shape up. And I'm going to be blunt. I, I cannot see Ottawa ending this season with more than five wins. No, it's looking tough right now. And I guess my question then to you is, what do you do at the quarterback position? Jennings, this game, did not look great for most of the game. Granted, final play of the game, he throws a 48-yard long bomb to Dominic Rimes, which pads his stats, which, hey, from a fantasy perspective, I love that. That may have won me my matchup this week, actually. That Dom Rimes, because I had Jennings and Rimes, that's like seven, eight points right there on the final final play of the game on a in garbage time. I'll take that. Um, you've tried Dom Davis. You've tried Jonathan Jennings. Neither has seemed to really st- stick. You have Will Arndt there as your third string quarterback. I think we're all predicting presumably one of these stellar backups we've seen around the league is going to end up in Ottawa next year as the starter. You know, maybe a Nick Arbuckle. Maybe a Chris Streveler. Um, what do you do the rest of this year for at quarterback with Ottawa? Do you stick with Jennings? Do you go back to Davis? Do you flip flop? Do you give Will Arndt the shot? Well, I keep Arndt far away from this as possible because if you deem him to be the future of your organization, you don't want to. And I'm not saying, but Will Arndt is the future of the Ottawa Red Blacks, not by a long shot. But if you presume him to be the future of your organization, you don't want to have him enter games that could potentially ruin his confidence. That's fair. That's fair. And but as, on the and other and hand... as far as I'm concerned, real quick, a team like the Bombers, a team like Hamilton, should look at acquiring Jonathan Jennings. Maybe. It's because just... I'll tell you what, if Jonathan Jennings cannot resurrect his career in Winnipeg with a solid core... Or in Hamilton with the solid core, they need that much bigger problem. Well, Winnipeg doesn't need them. They have no. I'm, Nichols, I'm, not, they I'm, have I'm not saying they need them, but you know what I mean, right? If he can't resurrect his career right. on a talented football team, he to to me it just it blows my mind how this sudden coming of Warren Moon was about Jonathan Jennings all these years ago and. Now it's like that is non-existent, and how far that has fallen is beyond me. And maybe, just maybe, BC knew what they were doing, letting them go. Yeah. Uh, Let's get into our final topic here before Pick'em Fantasy. Uh, Article came out today, uh, Pat Steinberg's Monday Morning Quarterback, CFL.ca, every week uh, as an article. Fan 960 in Calgary, too. Topic headline of the article was that there's no clear Grey Cup contender, and I sent this article to you. You had to read over it, and you were telling me this resonates with you a little bit. So, uh, maybe where are you on this stance? Is there a Grey Cup contender uh, favorite? I should say, and uh, who? Okay, so I'll flip the question back at you. Who are your top five CFL teams right now? 
um bc toronto no just kidding <laughs> um in no particular order uh no particular order winnipeg saskatchewan calgary okay, hamilton okay, okay. montreal okay so hold it with winnipeg no starting quarterback no running back for the last two weeks injuries on the defensive side saskatchewan not sure about the quarterback up coming into the year not sure where they are down the line give me some of the other teams calgary Calgary, lost Foley by Mitchell. Defense looks a little weak this time around. Oh, that's debatable. Another one? Hamilton. No starting quarterback, but seems to be fine. Montreal. Uh, Darling of the CFL, which nobody saw coming. And then, well, we'll throw Edmonton as the sixth team in there. Good uh, offense, inconsistent, inconvenient penalties hurt them at the worst of times. So let's tie this into, because you just rested this all off, let's tie it into, uh, do you have power rankings for this week? For well, I, I tie it into the fact that basically every team in this top five that you just gave me has some kind of weakness. Oh, yeah. No football team is perfect. You want to talk about the New England Patriots? Everybody thought they were perfect that one year when they went perfect in the regular season and in the Super Bowl. They weren't so perfect. The Superman of a catch by David Tyreen behind his head. I know I'm a new NFL fan, but I, I, I still remember that catch. From behind the head, excellent troll from Eli Manning, who might not be the giant quarterback next weekend, but that's besides the point. Um, Yeah, so I I really, you know, in, in past year, just to wrap it up before I get my power rankings, Calgary was the runaway favorite. Correct. Before the season? No, no, in past years. Oh, yeah. Every year, Calgary is the runaway favorite. And take your pit, it's set in through fifth or sixth. This year, Calgary ain't exactly running away with it. Winnipeg is trying to run away with it, but keeps stubbing their toe. Edmonton's trying to right the ship after having... An offense with seemingly number one in the CFL that can't find the, the thing called the goal line. But, you know, every team has a weakness and it's, it's like I said, quickly to sum it up to you. No team will win a Dre Cup in a regular season. It's going to come down to who plays good football for three weeks in November. And my bet as a great cup favorite, if I were to pick a team each and every week, it changes by the week. And this week it's Calgary. Probably this week they're going to do something to prove me wrong. One of the Bombers pull off a big win in Montreal and Hamilton loses again. And everything's kind of... It's weird because it seems like there's so much parity in the CFL, but then you look at teams that are, but then we have three of the nine teams are at two wins and three wins on the season, and it doesn't seem like a whole lot of parity, right? When you have six teams dominating the league, and then these three teams down there, but what, what is one six thing? Six of I, nine, two thirds. Yeah. Okay, so two thirds of your league's teams are neck and neck. Could be in an argument for a championship. That's pretty darn good to me. And I think we have had more parity in the sense that uh, John Hodge from the Boo Bomber Talk podcast and Three Down Nation put out an article last week talking about the head-to-head East-West matchups. Because I know you're you're you talk about this every year that the one division thing. You know, let's get rid of divisions because the West blows away the East every year. 
we're pretty much even in West to East, West versus East wins this year in terms of matchups. So why the big disparity? BC's losing to everybody out West. Toronto and Ottawa losing to everybody in both divisions. Hamilton's won a lot of games against the West. Montreal's won some games against the West. Boy, boy, you got me in a discussion I didn't want to get into, but I'll save that for next week. Um, real quick, power rankings. Uh, in surprise, but not really surprise format, here goes. You ready? Sure. Just whip through them. Number one, Calgary. Number two, Winnipeg. Number three, Hamilton. Number four, Saskatchewan. Number five, Montreal. Number six, Edmonton. Number seven, Toronto. Number eight, Ottawa. Number nine, BC. And just sum those up there a little bit for us. Um, basically, Calgary's playing the best football out of anybody out west. Can't really move the Bombers around because they are tied for the best record in the CFL despite having a bye. And uh, Hamilton has just lost uh, one. Actually, the second matchup but Winnipeg is still coming in a couple of weeks. But they lost to uh, Calgary, so that kind of shifts everything. Uh, Saskatchewan, again, just when I think they're about to fall up, off and be a 500 fo- or so football team, they proved me wrong with a big win. Montreal cannot quite. Um, Montreal can play with teams in their net of difficulty, but can't quite reach that upper weight class yet. Uh, that's how I see it. And in Edmonton, I mean, just simply, you can't. I, I've never seen a team dominate so much offensively and defensive statistics. But when you look at touchdowns scored relative to what happens to them in their games, score more touchdowns, you win a lot more games. And that, to me, is a scary proposition. But if Edmonton starts scoring touchdowns, they're going to be a force to be reckoned Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's... That's you, all they're The missing. only thing stopping the Eskimos right now, I'll is say, themselves. is themselves. Yeah. Uh, who'd you have in the... Uh, how'd the final three rank out in your ranking? I have my uh, final three were tr- uh, Toronto, Ottawa, BC. In that order? Yep. Ottawa's still ahead of BC? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just want a little more consistency and a little more trust with... Uh, with uh, BC with this. You're going to get a lot of backlash for this one, Mike, when I tweet it out. I, I know. I know I will. Be ready to explain this because BC beat Ottawa this week. I, I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of true, but I don't want to disrespect BC. I don't want this to be a case of the blind squirrel finds it out once in a while. Because hey, that's but, one of Mike's favorite analogies. But, you know... I don't want to respect BC, but I'm just wondering if that's the case a little bit. Because to me, it almost seems too good to be true. But, you know, the first part of your year, you developed so many stats. And now you've kind of slowed things down a little bit as far as that goes. So I need a few more weeks to be fully sold on BC. Fair enough. Uh, getting into CFL Fantasy, uh, CFPN Fantasy Challenge. I was up against uh, BB Can Ryan from Horseman Radio this week. Um, whoo, it was looking dicey for me. I, I felt like he put up 84 points going into that Montreal Saskatchewan game, but Eugene Lewis put up some big points, got me the win this week, improving me to 
10 and 4 on the season and a tie for first place. Mike, I am up there tied for number one right now. As we get closer to the end of the season, we get into playoff mode. Uh, as we have determined, there will be playoffs for the CFPN Fantasy Challenge. So stay tuned for more of that. Uh, oh, it's Coop playing for the bye, coming from behind with that late season surge. We're still ironing out the format, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. I gave you an idea what the format should be, but we'll see what happens. Uh, in terms of our fantasy, uh, league, uh, you beat me this week, uh, Yay! by 118.84 to 113.76. I call it the Willie Jefferson effect. <laughs> no Jefferson in the lineup. Mike takes the win. Uh, we both had some big game performances by a couple players. We had a lot of guys on bye weeks. Uh, are you making any trades nope. this week? I am not either. Uh, I haven't, even, frankly, haven't had enough time to look. Uh, I think I have enough of a pad in the uh, in the point totals right now that I don't need to make any glaring moves. Yeah, I, I look. There's not much available to my liking. It would be uh, adding to a perceived weakness, but taking away from a strength that I already have. So. Braylon Addison's still out there. I know, but I don't want to part with what I have, especially with uh, three teams on by this week. Fair enough. Let's get into CFL Pick'em. Uh, last week, I was 2-1. and one. I picked the Alouettes to beat the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which did not yeah, happen. Yeah, same here. So you were 2-1 and one as yeah. well. Um, the week before, I would have been 4-0 and oh for the second straight week or the third straight week. And but, then uh-oh. and then we both decided to change our picks from Toronto to Ottawa. The double the, blue monster stubbed you in the toe Flipping again. Argos. I looked 15 games wrong on the year. Or something like that. Five yeah. of them were Argos games. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, um, which leads us into a, wow, perfect segue. Which leads us into our first matchup of this week, which is the Toronto Argonauts hosting the Calgary Stampeders. Um, I like how Toronto's improved. They spanked Ottawa pretty good, but there's a reason Calgary's number one in your power rankings. So, uh, I'll, I'll go with the Calgary Stampeders. Let's see Metbath light a fire in Toronto. I'm going Toronto. You're going with the Argos. I'm going to be wrong again, aren't I? If I get this Argos, if I get Calgary over Toronto wrong, I'm just not picking any Argos games anymore. Like, I won't pick a winner. I'll leave it off my pick em ballot. This to me is scary just on the fact that, to be blunt, you're going against your bat-to-bat tennis standing. What do you mean? Or, I mean, so it's not the home and home, but... No, not at all. Something about this matchup scares me if you're Calgary. Uh, Edmonton coming off the bye, hosting the Ticats, who come off that uh, narrow loss to Calgary. Uh, go first on this one. Well, big thing is you don't know who the quarterback is in Edmonton. I would suspect it's going to be Logan Kildor, uh yeah, do we have an update on Trevor Harris? Uh, should come tomorrow after his doctor's appointment, but nonetheless, I, I, it wouldn't have changed my pit. I'm going to Hamilton Tiger Cats. Well, I'd be a bit of a hypocrite if I hyped up the Tiger Cats, hyped up Dane Evans as much as I did before, and didn't include the Eskimos in my top five teams, and then said Edmonton's going to go and beat Hamilton this week. So I'll take the Tiger Cats. I like them better of the two teams. Uh, getting into the Saturday doubleheader, it starts off 3 o'clock Central Time, Montreal hosting Winnipeg. The first matchup between these two teams this year, which is weird because normally they play each other early in the season every year. We've had a couple of season openers, but 
the Alouettes hosting the Bombers coming off a bye. Uh, where are you going with this one? Justin Medlock watched the Bombers off 41-38. I like the Bombers coming off the bye as well. Uh, Andrew Harris back from his suspension. Harris he, runs for 150. Yeah, he's going to be fired up. I love the Alouettes story. I like Vernon Adams. I love William Stanback. Uh, everything really Montreal has going on, but uh, close game. I'll take the Bombers on the road here. And finally, the rematch, uh, BC-Ottawa, rematch from the week before. I always pick the split when it comes to home-and-home series, but based off of what I saw this week, I don't know if I can, Mike. I don't know if I can. Give me Mike Riley over Jonathan Jennings. I'll take the Lions to sweep. I'm going to go Ottawa. How How does Ottawa win this game in your mind? Well, they win the game defensively. I think they're good enough to do that, and Jonathan Jennings doesn't turn the football over, and uh, Ottawa has a big pass rush, and Sats might rally, and things go back to normal in BC. All right, that fair enough. Well, that will do it for this episode of the podcast. Let's wrap things up here. Uh, check out the Canadian Football Podcast over Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter for all of the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows and cfpodnetwork.ca. Uh, you can find all of our stuff anywhere on the podcast platforms. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Help us grow. Help other people find this show and all of the fun stuff we talk about. Uh, find us on Facebook, Canadian Football Countdown, Twitter, at CFC on Mike FM. You can find me on Twitter, tweeting my Grey Cup fit-up updates every single day leading up to the Grey Cup, uh, at Cooper Trooper 42 and uh, where can people find you, Mike? So to find me at my throw, lots of hockey tweets coming. Yes. That does it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Good luck with your Grey Cup fit up this week, everybody. And uh, hope it goes well for you all. And uh, let's enjoy some great football games. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying bye. <laughs>